five, four, three, two, one. People of the world, hello and welcome to Marketing as a Foreign Language, episode 91. On the show today, a pure gym trainer compared slavery to an intensive workout in a Facebook post. That was a terrible idea. Google and Facebook hate a proposed privacy law. News publishers should embrace it. Facebook issues official response to claims made in the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. Excited to learn more about that one. Uh, Rebels within the Facebook staff openly challenging Zuckerberg. Uh, YouTube apologizes for mocking long videos and how to leverage nostalgia-based marketing in a coronavirus world. Ladies and gentlemen, the show is going to begin right now. All right, so we are live. 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time every single Monday through Friday. My name is Kellen Kautzman. I own a company called Senate Rising. Uh, today on the show, we're going to be reading articles. Businessinsider.com, link in the description. A pure gym trainer compared slavery to an intensive workout in a Facebook post. Some members say they will cancel their contracts. This is from Grace Dean. UK gym operator Pure Gym has been slammed after a Facebook post from one of its sites compared slavery to an intensive workout. The post by its Lutton and Dunstable gym in southern England advertised a special Black History Month workout, saying slavery was hard and so is this. The workout was titled 12 Years a Slave, a reference to the movie 12 Years a Slave. Uh, here is the tweet from Pure Gym. No, I'm sorry. Um to Pure Gym from uh, Barack. Uh, what on earth were at Pure Gym thinking of calling a workout 12 years a slave because they say slavery was hard. Hard enslavement of African people was not a workout. It was brutal, inhumane, torture, vile, and racist. This is disgraceful content. After intense social media backlash, Pure Gym issued a statement apologizing unreservedly and said it had removed the post as soon as it was brought to its attention. The post was, quote, wholly unacceptable and not approved or endorsed by the company. The statement said, I wonder if Pure Gym is a franchise, and this was a, one of their franchisees. And that's my assumption, anyway. And then the other question is, who wrote the post? Um, sometimes there are interns um, or marketing folks um, that write the social media content. I wonder if this article will elucidate that point. Quote, we take this matter extremely seriously and are urgently investigating how and why this post was made. Pure Gym said each of the company's 271 gyms has its own social media channels, which are run locally. You know, we work with franchises, and um, they often have very restrictive social media um, rules, and it annoys me to no end um, as someone who is attempting to do social media on behalf of these companies. It is very irritating, but this is exactly what they're trying to avoid. Um, the assistant manager of the gym who originally posted the image, there you go, assistant manager, then reposted it on his personal Instagram and defended the workout. In the caption, the personal trainer, who is black, 
explained that he had to remove it from the Pure Gym Facebook account because apparently the wording was an issue. And it's interesting um, that the person who wrote it, um, according to this article, uh, is black. Uh, he has since removed the post from his personal account. The trainer did not immediately reply to Business Insider's request for comment. Twitter uh, users expressed their disgust. Um, obviously, most of the black community also condemned the post, obviously. Um, interesting to me um, that, uh, that uh, a black trainer decided to go that particular route. Um, obviously, uh, not going to work. Um, what do you think? Do you think that was ridiculous? I'm sure you agree. Vox.com, Google and Facebook hate a proposed privacy law. News publishers should embrace it. California voters get a chance to shape internet privacy rules for the rest of the country in November. Shout out to Leah Morrison in chat. Happy Monday to you as well. While most of America is focused on the presidential vote, Californians have another important decision to make at the polls this November. They're being asked to approve what will likely become the internet privacy law for the entire United States, apparently. Prop 24, also known as the California Privacy Rights and Enforcement Act of 2020, um, acronym CPRA, again, that's the California Privacy Rights and Enforcement Act, is supposed to expand a landmark, landmark California privacy law that passed two years ago. There's a good chance Californians will approve this one, too. It's framed as legislation that will better protect their privacy, in particular sensitive data, such as secure, social security numbers, race, religion, and health information. And while the proposed law technically governs the use and sale of data for Californians, California has an enormous impact on the tech industry, which means CPRA will become the de facto law for all of the U.S., just given the, uh, the enormous size. So um, sounds like a good thing for most people. Among other impacts of the proposed law, it makes a point of protecting young people by mandating triple fines for infringements against consumers under the age of 16. I know TikTok was in a lot of hot water um, over selling uh, young user data. Um, it will allow consumers to restrict the use of geolocation data by third parties, effectively ending practices like sending targeted ads to people who visit a rehab center or a cancer clinic. Um, I know that there are certain attorneys that want to focus around hospitals. Um, Geotargeting is a huge deal in marketing in 2020. It does not surprise me at all that people would uh, target ads to cancer clinics or rehab centers, but they would also target ads next to a gym, right? If you're a uh, supplement company, you're selling, I don't know, whey protein and that sort of thing, you're targeting next to a gym. Um, if you're a, um, what's another good example, like a kid's play place, you might target next to a school, right? So it's not that targeting is bad. It's that when people manipulate targeting, um, you know, so like a rehab center or a cancer clinic, um, if I didn't realize that my data was being sold on Facebook and all of a sudden I was getting ads um, for rehab and it's basically a known thing that I'm, a, you know, that I've got this issue in my life, um, I could see how that would be um, enraging. For news publishers, though, any new data regulation can create problems. Um, and news publishers already have plenty of well-documented problems, but I think the proposed enhancements will actually help the news industry. So this is back to the article, Fighting the Google-Facebook Duopoly. From targeted advertising to personalization, 
Data does a lot of the work online. Unfortunately, two companies dominate data collection and therefore digital advertising. One big question about any privacy laws is whether they actually create more advantages for Google and Facebook instead of leveling the playing field for smaller competitors. Um, by and large, I would say that the Google model is more ethical because if you are searching in Google, now I'm not talking about display, I'm talking about search ads. So if you're searching for something and Google presents you some ads about that thing, that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm not bugged about that. You know, if you're looking for drug rehab, for example, or a cancer clinic, for example, um, or a family planning place, and it shows up and you click on it, that to me is the most ethical way of serving an ad in the history of all advertising advertising ever. And it's one of the reasons why Google is such a gigantic corporation. Growing up in the age of uh, the TV commercial, I vividly remember just hating ads. Uh, they, they broke into the show that I wanted to watch. They were by and large misdirected. I just, I didn't like them. And I think that's true of most people. And I feel like the Facebook ad model is much more the modern evolution of the TV ad. You could make an argument that YouTube is more so that, um, and you'd be right. But uh, you can simply pay, I think it's like 11 or $12 a month, and get the ads removed from YouTube, which I've done, finally. Um, it took me a long time to make that decision, but I finally went, you know what? I don't want my brain washed in you know this commercial content. Not to mention the YouTube, the ads on YouTube have gotten really... Um, What's the word to describe it? Frequent. Um, there are double ads, so one after another, and it feels like every four minutes an ad's playing. I'm like, you know what? I'm on YouTube enough. I'm gonna go for the, you know, for the ten bucks an hour, eleven or excuse me, eleven dollars um, a month, and just not deal with them anymore. Um, that is not an option on Facebook. It would be very interesting to see Facebook adopt a model where you could be ad free. You know, twelve bucks, you know, uh, ad free. I just think that Facebook makes more than that per user. I am guessing on that. But um, so in terms of ethics, I would put Google search ads at the very top because you're giving people what they're searching for. There's no real privacy violation with that. Um, I think retargeting is fine as long as it's easy to get rid of that uh, by removing your cookies, which is to say, if you went to one website once and all of a sudden that's all you see is just this ad being served back to you and it's just really irritating to you. If, if it's easy to cancel that ad, then that's not so bad. Um, because you kind of initiated that original uh, deal. Um, I think YouTube ads are probably not very ethical um, in that, you know, it kind of falls into that brainwashing sort of deal, but they give you the opportunity to turn them off, to shut them off, right? You, you can pay and just not deal with it. Um, and let's keep in mind that the YouTube servers are gigantic buildings um, filled with computers um, that are holding on to that much video data. So that's not cheap. So I understand why they serve as many ads as they do. Um, and then uh, last uh, and perhaps least would be the Facebook ad, which is you can't get rid of it. Um, and it's incredibly demographically targeted to you. So back to the article, we've seen this happen before in Europe, which began enforcing a new privacy law in May 2018. Big tech companies have been able to effectively neuter the law by implementing half measures and exploiting loopholes while enforcement lags. The good news for consumers and news publishers alike is that this CPRA seeks to close any loopholes in the previous privacy law the state passed two years ago. 
So basically, um, the privacy fight continues. Um, if it's easy to just wipe all of your data from one of these um, websites, I don't think it would be that big of an issue. If you could just go to Facebook, click on the settings and say, remove all data that you know about me. Click, click, click. Done deal. Does that exist? I don't believe so. I think it's probably more convoluted than that. Uh, but that would be something worth looking into. Facebook issues official response to claims made in Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. This from Social Media Today. In a very uncharacteristic move, Facebook has today issued an official rebuke to claims made in the new Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, which aims to provide an overview of the various ways in which social media platforms have become increasingly divisive and dangerous as their usage has increased over time. So most reviews of The Social Dilemma have actually been highly critical, noting that while the documentary does make some valid and important points, it descends into sensationalism, I would agree with that, which ultimately dilutes its key messaging. But clearly, it's got Facebook concerned. The social network generally stands pat on most criticisms and claims of this sort, but with reports that many users have considered deleting their Facebook and Instagram accounts after watching the documentary, the company felt the need to issue a two-page, seven-point response to its core points. So, Facebook. Hmm. You know, I am not a huge Facebook user. Um, I know there are people I spend a lot of time on the platform. Um, how many people are really going to be deleting this thing? Uh, we'll see. Facebook's response... Uh, are as what you would expect here. So on social media addiction, uh, we prioritize meaningful social interactions. On people as the product, we don't sell your information to anyone. We just keep it for ourselves and and, uh, sell ads. Um, On algorithms, portraying algorithms as mad may make good fodder for conspiracy documentaries, but the reality is a lot less entertaining. That's pretty funny conspiracy documentaries on data usage despite what the film suggests we have policies that prohibit businesses from sending us sensitive data about people okay on polarization the overwhelming majority of content that people see on facebook is not polarizing or even political i would argue that the vast majority of information is either a baby or a puppy That's what I think. On election interference, the film leaves out what we have done since 2016 to build strong defenses to stop people from using Facebook to interfere in elections. I really do think 2016 was a wake-up call for Facebook, and I would almost uh, regard it as the growing up, the coming-of-age story for Facebook, where they realized, you know what, all this money that's being funneled into our organization uh, requires us to be the adults in the room. On misinformation, the idea that we allow misinformation to fester on our platform or that we somehow benefit from this content is wrong. I don't think that's true. I think there is a lot of benefit that Facebook sees from uh, popular misinformation, which is to say that if there is a post, I don't care which side it's on, where there's misinformation and it gets thousands of shares, well, that pretty much guarantees that the number of people spending more time on Facebook has increased um, because If you're sharing content, you're spending time on the platform, increased time, I would argue. And the more time you spend on the platform, the more money Facebook makes, period. So for them to say that misinformation does not benefit the platform, I think is is inaccurate. 
So Facebook has shared its opinions on all of these topics in the past, so there's nothing surprising in its responses. The only surprises noted is that Facebook felt the need to respond at all. And to me, this feels very similar to what McDonald's went through with the documentary Super Size Me. Um, I want to say following that documentary, they started offering more healthy food options, apple slices and salad and all this sort of stuff. And uh, I felt like that uh, it did cause a seismic shift in uh, at least my perception of the McDonald's brand. So I'm happy that uh, that uh, the documentary took a shot and uh, Facebook felt the need to respond. Um, because what that means, obviously, is that uh, they struck a nerve. They hit something. Um, now, I do believe that it is uh, sensationalized, and I did watch it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. Thank you, Esther. She says, good analogy. And I agree. So we did talk about uh, this before. Ashok Chand Chandwani. Chandwani. Um, and Facebook, but we'll hit this one more time, see if there's any new information here. Rebels within the Facebook staff openly challenging Zuckerberg. This one from theguardian.com. A developer's powerful resignation letter is the latest condemnation of the social network's attitude to hate speech. You know what? I do think we covered this in a previous episode, so I think we're gonna we're gonna jump past this one. Um, YouTube apologizes for mocking long videos. BBC.com. YouTube has apologized and deleted a tweet from its official Twitter account in which it mocked content creators for making videos that were too long. Under its own rules, adverts can be placed in the middle of videos at least eight minutes long only, shortened in July 2020 from a 10-minute minimum. This means content creators can make more money by making longer videos. Okay, so let's read that one more time. So advertisements can be placed in the middle of videos that are at least eight minutes long, which was short and got it. So it used to be 10 minutes, now it's eight. Uh, YouTubers can also start monetizing their videos only once they have racked up 4,000 hours of watch time. It's like giving your daughter an allowance based on hours studied, not grades, then complaining she studies too much. Former Amazon Studios strategy head Matthew Ball said, in the tweet posted on Saturday afternoon and removed within a couple of hours, YouTube mocked creators who, quote, after talking for 15 minutes, would say, all right, let's jump straight into the video. In a follow-up tweet to its 72 million followers, the platform said the original had been posted in good faith, but we missed the mark and did not reflect the spirit of the creator community. You cannot make fun of effectively your employees so youtube is not youtube without us without the content creators right and uh you know to be fair i think youtube's right when they make fun of uh creators for doing these ridiculously long intros and then okay we're gonna jump right into the video that is stupid uh let's call a spade a spade that's so dumb and i hate watching videos uh, where they drone on and on and on, um, and they don't get to the point until 10 minutes into the video. Very frustrating. Now, YouTube has to apologize, because obviously you can't offend all the creators um, in one fail swoop and expect the platform to continue to do well. American technology entrepreneur Anil Dash tweeted, the platform was mocking its own creators for adapting to the economic incentives its algorithm unilaterally inflicts upon them. Jeez. But Japanese YouTuber... Uh, said who has 
this person who has 2.6 million subscribers on her channel said that YouTube's mockery had been funny. And it is. It is funny. It is ridiculous. Uh, the YouTube culture nowadays. Last but not least, adweek.com, how to leverage nostalgia-based marketing in a coronavirus world, keeping brand identity at the front. Got a picture here of Bill Murray with a uh, groundhog. I love that movie. What's um? There's a new movie with the guy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine that we just watched. What's the name of that? Uh, Palm Springs? No, not Palm Springs. Was it? Oh, I forgot what it was. It was really good. Oh, this one is, uh, it doesn't matter because this one's blocked. Anyway, can't read this article. Thanks, Adweek. Palm Springs? It is Palm Springs. Um, that's so funny. Uh, so my wife, under my account, writes the word Palm Springs. So it looks as though I wrote Palm Springs. I didn't. That's my wife. She's just signed in for me. I love Bill Murray, too. Esther Sass, he's the best. He really is. But anyway, go watch Palm Springs. It's really, really funny. And it's, it's similar to Groundhog's Day, but I won't tell you too much. I don't want to spoil it. All right, back to the stuff. Um, so, yeah, don't write uh, posts about slavery, um, even if you are a black person. That's the, the lesson here. Um, it, uh, it's never going to uh, end well. Um, analogous uh, post about slavery and working out. Not a good move, um, businessinsider.com reports. Um, Google and Facebook hate a proposed privacy law. Yeah, they, look, it's... This is come will come as a shocker to nobody. Uh, Zuckerberg and, and Facebook, they're going to make their money on the amount of data that they can get. If there are impediments to that data, they're going to fight it. It's just that simple. Uh, Facebook issues an official response. I love that they responded to this because I was not uh, so impressed by... Uh, but, well, look, the, you should see the social dilemma, okay? You should. You should watch it. Um, should you delete your Facebook account after the fact? Eh, I think you might want to delete your Facebook account if you use it too much. I can't empathize because I don't like Facebook. I really don't like it. I'm just not a big fan of watching just like a never-ending stream of people trying to impress me with the best moments of their life. Um, it's just not for me, you know. Um, but, you know, a lot of people use it for a lot of great, you know, reasons and um you know, if you love Facebook, that's cool. But, you know, it's like anything, you know, if you're spending 30 minutes, an hour, hour and a half, two hours a day on it, you know, then uh, perhaps you should consider um, watching this documentary if you haven't already and trying to understand just a bit better about how they're trying to draw you back in. Um, this is the point I'm trying to make is that uh, Facebook really has an incentive to kind of ping you, to send you a notification, try to suck you back in the gravity um, because the more time you spend on the platform, make no mistake, you're basically standing in a room where they're charging you by the hour. Um, and uh, the hour happens to be the cost of your lifetime. And last but not least, uh, yeah, you shouldn't uh, mock uh, the people who make your videos, YouTube. That's probably uh, probably not the best move. Although I would say that the joke is accurate. I think it's funny that YouTube has to, has to apologize because of the power that the creators have. Um, but they're not really apologizing sincerely, I would argue, because it is true and it is funny. Um, and creators really should stop that. It's a criticism on creators uh, for not getting straight to the point. Um, when I start this show, it's, hey, here are the things we're going to talk about intro. And then we talk about those things. Um, you know, I've, I've watched YouTube videos that was like, oh, the secret success to real estate investing. Well, before I get into that, let me tell you about my dog that I had one when I was four. It's going to relate. Just hold on. Um, those videos to me are so nauseating. 
Uh, that I uh, immediately leave. And yet they have many subscribers. Who, who knew? Why is that? I have no idea. Anyway, thanks everybody. We got some good likes on the, the YouTube uh, channel this time on this particular video. I appreciate that very much. I also appreciate my wife um, commenting as me in chat. <laughs> you should check out Palm Springs. It's a really good movie. And uh, that pretty much sums it up. So we'll see y'all for the next episode next time. Appreciate you swinging on by. And uh, outro time.